God another hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't you greet the nearest person to you on tonight who is brave enough to come out in a little bit of rain, <laughs> a little bit of a storm. Amen. How many guys know that rain or shine, we are going to be here at World Changers. Amen. Amen. Again, welcome to everybody on tonight as we continue on in our We Are the Righteous series. Uh, we'd like to also welcome our online uh, viewers. We're glad that you made it uh, here on tonight, and we believe that you will be, thank you, sir, blessed. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me as we continue on, and I'm, I'm glad and happy to get to the part we're at now uh, because, you know, over the last couple of services, we've been talking about being in the seat and no longer where? Yeah, at his feet. Uh, we talked uh, last week about uh, the fact that when we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus, we actually are in a position that is no longer ours. Amen? Once you are saved, you have been, for lack of a better word, promoted from the feet to the seat. Um, we looked at a few uh, areas in the Word of God where we saw people at the feet of Jesus. Uh, go with me real quick to Luke 8, 35. Luke chapter 8, verse 35 we'll see an example of somebody who was indeed at the feet of Jesus. Luke 8, 35 says, Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man, this was the man that just had legion, the demon, uh, or, the, or the group of demons cast out. They found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So here's a moment where somebody definitely needed something from Jesus, and man, he got what he needed, and he sat back down to continue to receive from Jesus, the Messiah, the man in the flesh, God, sorry, God in the flesh, who was here on earth at that moment. He knew this is the place I need to be to continue to get what I need. If you understand that, say amen. Let's go to uh, Luke um, chapter 8, verse 41. It's just a little bit further down. It says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of a synagogue. So Jairus was indeed a religious man. Amen? It says he was a ruler of a synagogue. The Amplified says, And there came a man named Jairus who had for a long time been a director of the synagogue and falling at the feet of Jesus, he begged him to come to his house. Now, something just jumped out at me. The fact that this guy was a director in a synagogue, the synagogue was indeed where they practiced the Jewish traditions. That's indeed where they practiced the law. Now, I think it's very interesting that this guy didn't go to the synagogue, but he came to Jesus. He didn't go to the law to save his daughter. He went to Jesus, who is the truth, who is the word, who is indeed grace. 
Even this religious man, even this Jewish man who had been a director at the synagogue for a long time recognized that there is no power in the law. There's no power in this synagogue. I need to go to Jesus. Man, that'll preach all by itself. So, so this guy is a religious guy, but religion, how many of you guys know religion is not enough? There is power that Jesus has that no religion will ever have. So Jairus goes to Jesus and he lays prostrate or he casts himself at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he needs Jesus to heal his daughter. And he knew it wasn't going to be in the synagogue. It wasn't going to be another priest. He said, I, I, I only can get this from, from God himself. I only can get this from the Son of God. And there he is. I have to go and find him. So here Jairus lays prostrate at the feet of Jesus, and we all know the story. Jesus uh, eventually gets to his house, and uh, his daughter is, is raised up and healed from her situation. Then let's look at uh, Luke 10, 38. Let me show you another situation of somebody at the feet of Jesus. Luke 10, 38. Now it's important while we're walking through all of these again, this is just a recap because when you, when you say something like, we're no longer at the feet, but in the seat, that messes with people. Amen? Because many of us have prided ourselves on spending time at the feet of Jesus. I'm at his feet, and I'm like the lady who poured the oil all over his feet, and I'm washing his feet with my hair, and I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at his feet, and we've, we've really called that a place of worship is what we've kind of called it. But again, I'm, I'm trying to show you something here on the night that all these folks that were at the feet of Jesus were at his feet because they 100% needed him to heal them, deliver them, uh, teach them to do all these specific things, but you and I have an advantage that they didn't have. Luke 10, 38. It says, now it came to pass as they went, Jesus and his disciples, uh, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Verse 39. And she found, oh, sorry, and she had a sister called Mary, which also, here she is at the same position, sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, for me, this used to be the scripture I used to stand on, on how I'm going to receive from God. I'm not going to get caught up in the works and the worries and the, and the things of the world, but instead I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus. That principle is absolutely correct. So I don't want you just to throw this whole scripture away. That's the thing you got to be careful of as we walk through the gospel of grace and walk through gaining contextual understanding of what the word is saying. There are still principles that are within there that, that I don't want you to just toss out the window. That principle of getting in God's presence and receiving from him is 100% on. It's just when we take this as the example, we have to be careful because in context, being at his feet are where people who need him because they don't have him go. Remember, during this time, during these three years of Jesus' ministry, there was no Holy Spirit roaming the earth in a sense. There, there was not God in a pillar of fire. There was only Jesus. So if you wanted to be healed, if you wanted to be delivered, if you wanted to be set free, you had to hook up with Jesus. I mean, Jesus that dude. 
not the concept of him. It, it was like you had to have him in person ministering to you. So people often would go and then get at his feet and say, here's what I need. I skipped over it, but even in the process of him going to Jairus' house, uh, there was the woman with the issue of blood that came to uh, basically his feet when she touched the hem of his robe. There were all these people that found themselves in a very humble position receiving from Jesus at his feet. What did I say, uh, verse 39? Yeah, so, uh, and he had a, she had a sister called Mary, which also said at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered uh, about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou now care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she what? Help me. And I'm going to say something. I don't want you to freak out, but it blows my, my mind every time I sit here and look at it. For the unbeliever, the place they ought to be is at the feet. Because they don't have Jesus on the inside. They ought to be at the foot of that cross. They ought to be at the foot of Jesus receiving salvation and receiving their deliverance, receiving their um, uh, righteousness, receiving all of that from God. That's absolutely where sinners should be. But if you are saved, if you are a believer, and Christ lives on the inside of you, you don't need him because you got him. So you should not be at his feet. Instead, the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places with him. And then the scripture talks about how when he's seated in those heavenly places, how he has authority over all. So if you are seated with him because you're united with him, that means you have authority over all. So here's what blows my mind about this particular scripture. For the believer, Martha is 100% right. Believers are supposed to be serving. I said believe. See, see some of y'all like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about this whole year. Getting to that point of why are you sitting here just soaking up, soaking up, soaking up, soaking up, and you got all of him on the inside of you. Martha was 100% right. It's like me coming and saying, God, don't you care that the entire congregation has left me and Melissa to serve alone? All they keep doing is coming to church and sitting here to work. Bid them that they should therefore go out to the streets and help us. Why? Because they got all of you already. See, for the unbeliever, the unbeliever is supposed to be at the feet. But for the rest of us who sit in the seat, we're supposed to be serving. Mm. She, was, she was right. For the believer. Now, that's not what she was saying at that moment. But we as believers need to read this and figure out, oh, we're, we're supposed to be serving. Why? Because we have a never-ending supply of him. We have a never-ending supply of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us constantly teaching us, constantly working within us, so that when it's time to serve, we're ready to serve. When it's time to serve, we're ready to serve. Well, who's supposed to be then getting Jesus? Those who don't know him. They're supposed to be coming and sitting in the pews, and we're supposed to be serving them. 
So it's absolutely right when the usher stands up and says, when is somebody going to help me? It's absolutely right when the band or, or the praise team or the children worker or the, or the, or the, or the uh, finance person or the AV person says, hey, when is somebody going to help me? Why is everybody who's been saved for 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, 25, 35 years just sitting in a pew? When the outreach person says, why are there only three people out here on the field with me? But we sitting there. And Jesus is like, get up. Get up. It, it's serving time. Now there's a place for that worship. There's a place for that getting along with God. I'm, again, that principle is 100%, but it's not when it's serving time. And that's what Martha was pointing out. She was like, it's serving time. We got all these people to feed. We got these people to take care of. So Jesus is in the house. When we're out doing outreach, when we're out doing church, when we're, we're, we're doing whatever we're doing, Jesus is in the house. And so all the people who don't know him absolutely need to be sitting and receiving. But for those of us who know him, we ought to be operating in our authority, operating in our gifting, operating in our calling, because the preacher may be standing up giving out Jesus. The, 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 the teacher in children's ministry is giving out Jesus. The praise team and the band, they're giving out Jesus. We're all giving out him because we're seated and united with him. I hope you're seeing the picture I'm trying to paint. You are the Jesus, so if you don't get out and serve, they won't ever get him. I wish I had a camera up here so y'all could see. I want to go just sit next to Valerie and be like, imagine if the preacher just sat in the pew. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> imagine if I just came and sat in the pew. Now, I got the Jesus on the inside of me, right? I got Jesus where? Because I'm, I'm seated with him, right? But if I come and sit down, now she, she need him. She came to receive from him. Let's say she don't know him. But, but, but if I'm not walking in my gift, if I'm not walking in my call, if I'm not serving, then how will she get what she needs? And this is what the body of Christ is doing. We're sitting next to, she's not a sinner, she's saved. But we're sitting next to, to the people who need him. We're sitting next to the sinners who are at his feet and saying, ooh, I'm at his feet too, girl. When are they going to show up to preach? I, I'm ready to receive my message. And God is saying, I put, you on the, I put myself on the inside of you so that you can walk in your gifting, walk in your grace, walk in your call, and you now represent me to all of them. If you understand that, say amen. So see, so long we've, we've done this thing where the pastor has to be seated with him and has to do everything he needs to do, but the rest of us, we have a choice. I'm just going to tell y'all the same way he told me when I was three. You ain't got no choice. You are called. And you have to operate with that same understanding if you want to be all that God has called you to be. So you are no longer to just be trying to just receive from him all the time. He's saying it's time to serve. You with me on that? Amen. All right, let's keep going. All right, so if 
that's what I'm supposed to do, how do I know how to live and rule here on earth? If I'm seated with him, how do I know how to make right decisions? If I'm seated with him, how do I get filled up and charged up? Because I'm still supposed to do that, right? I'm still supposed to spend time with him, right? So if I'm not getting it, quote unquote, at the feet of Jesus, where do I get it from? That is a wonderful question, and I am so glad you asked it. You get it the same way Jesus did. I'm let that marinate for a second. Because who are you in this world? I am as he was. So I got to get my instructions. I got to get my fill up. I got to get my charge up the same way he did. And you often see Jesus going alone and getting with the Father. You often see Jesus even encouraging himself. Now, we know it as also praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. It is absolutely nothing wrong with the fact that you do come to church. Don't get me wrong on what I'm saying now. But it is the Holy Spirit who's preaching through me talking to you. So you have an external reception, but then there's this internal reception that's supposed to be your primary source for getting all you need from God. Jesus had that same thing called the Holy Ghost. Did you notice that Jesus didn't start any ministry until after he got baptized and the Holy Spirit came up on him? That is his God in the flesh who was not enabled to do anything without the Holy Spirit. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to move in on the inside of you, and then he begins to speak to you, leading you and guiding you, teaching you and directing you on not only what you're supposed to do for him, but how you're supposed to live your everyday life. Now, he is not only your teacher and your guide, according to the word of God, he is also your empowerer. He is the one who gives you the ability to do things you would otherwise not be able to do in order to carry out ministry on this earth. That's where the gift of healing comes into play. That's where the gift of prophecy comes into play. That's where words of wisdom and knowledge and all these things come into play. That's the Holy Spirit partnering with you to get his will done. What happened to the gifts in the church? We happened. That's what happened. Holy Spirit's still doing what he was doing. We lost track of him. We lost track of him. We lost track of our call. We lost track of our positioning in Christ. And we became seated in the sense of at the feet versus seated in our places of authority. So when people show up in the church, you don't have everybody on guard ready to operate in the gifts. So it's up to one or two people in the entire congregation, who is normally the pastors, to become Christ, if you will, or Jesus for all those people to show him to them. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. We all have him on the inside of us. And now what we have to do is say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, make me. That's his responsibility. And that's what I want to show you in the word on tonight. Amen? Amen. So are you ready? 
Okay, so the first thing you got to do, though, this all begins with being transformed. Somebody say transformed. Okay, go to Romans 12. Uh, let's start at verse 1, and we'll do two, 1 and 2 together. Hey, can y'all put 30 minutes on that clock back there? Because this is one of them ones, it'd be 10 o'clock, I'd be up here. Like, where did anybody leave? Uh, <laughs> it was good to me. Say <laughs> so we can finish it up on Sunday. Uh, okay. Uh, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, when I start reading this under this understanding, it starts sounding a little differently. Up to this point, I've just read this is, this is why you don't sin with your body. What are you talking about serving? It, it says, which is a reasonable service. Present your body as a living sacrifice to God. This is your reasonable service. Once you're saved, you should be looking to serve. I said, once you're saved, you should be looking to serve. Present your body as a living sacrifice. That's you're serving with this body. He needs <clears throat> your body. I said, he needs your body. Jesus needed, I mean, God needed a body. That body was Jesus. And now we are his body. Your body, my body, makes up the body, and we are his body, accomplishing what the body of Christ did for us. We as the body which is the church, now do it for the world. Three of y'all got that. Okay, we're going to try it again. <laughs> Present that body. Sacrifice it to me. Why? Because I sacrificed mine for y'all. So now take your body, become the body, and serve me by representing me to that world. You're saved now serve me. But then verse 2 answers a problem that those of us who are saved have. Go to verse 2. He said, now, if you're going to be saved, sacrifice that body. It's your reasonable service. You're going to need to make sure that you're not conformed to the world. Why? Because that's how Jesus had to walk. He said, now listen, you can't be trying to serve me and then you busting hell wide open at the same time. That's going to mess with your love. That's going to mess with your ability. That's going to mess with your power. Not that the Holy Spirit can't still get things done, but he's saying, listen, don't be conformed, and we're about to break all this down, to the world. And what that conformed to this world actually means, when you study it out, it says don't follow the patterns of the world. Let me, let me explain to you a little bit better what that means. It begins to refer and bring reference all the way back to Numbers 20. Somebody said, what happened in Numbers 20? I'm glad you asked. Let's go look at that. Uh, go to Numbers 20, verse 1. I'm going to go there with you because we're going to skip around because it's, it's a pretty long chapter. Because I want you to really understand what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about. Verse 1 is talking about serving him with our bodies because he needs our bodies to serve on this earth because God is indeed a spirit, the Holy Spirit's a spirit, and if stuff is gonna get done in this physical realm, he needs physical bodies, right? Right? Okay, so 
It says, then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. So they, they, they're getting into the desert, and this is where, uh, y'all remember when Moses hit that rock twice because he got mad at the people? This is that area uh, that that happened. Uh, in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh, or they were living in Kadesh, and Miriam, Moses' sister, died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses. Now these jokers was tripping several times. I mean, they're the children that are chosen children of God. They've been delivered out of Egypt. God, I mean, he don't showed up at the, uh, what was that, the Red Sea? Uh, yeah, he showed up there, and somebody said, well, you know, the Red Sea is called the Reed Sea, and it really wasn't as deep as everybody made it. You know, it was, it was only up, I think they said, like, up to the shins and this, that, and the other. Well, I just say that's a bigger miracle because if God drowned chariots and all these people with some shin-high water, that's amazing. I mean, that, that's a miracle. So, you know, but these are, these are, this is the same children of Israel who's seen God show up time and time again. They, they just had a problem with complaining. And a problem with, by the way, complaining is a symptom of not believing God, not trusting him. So it says she was buried there, and they wanted for water, and they gathered themselves against Moses and against Aaron, his brother. And the people chode with Moses, or argued with Moses, and spake, saying, Would God that we had died, here they go again, when our brethren died before the Lord. And the Amplified says, and the people contended with Moses and said, would that we had died when our brethren died in the plague before the Lord. Verse four says in the Amplified, and why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here? We and our livestock. They were like, at least you could have saved the cows. Verse 5, and why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. They crying because they ain't got pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tent of meeting to the tabernacle, and they fell on their faces. So they began to pray. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, take the rod and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock, and tell the rock before their eyes to give forth its water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of the rock. So what did he tell them to do? He said, tell the rock before the people's eyes. So let them see you. Talk to this rock. Talk to this rock and tell it to give water. And you shall bring forth to them water out of this rock. So you shall give the congregation and their livestock drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron assembled the congregation before the rock. And Moses said to them, hear now, you rebels. Called him a name. Mm. Must we bring you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his head and with his rod smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. Now I could have sworn God told them to talk to it. Hmm. That's a whole other message. All right. 
verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in, rely on, cling to me to sanctify me in the eyes of the Israelites, you therefore shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. What the heck just happened? He told him to talk to the rock. He beat the rock. And these jokers lost the promised land. Why? What did God say the actual problem was, though? And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, believe in me, rely on me. Unbelief is the problem. It was the problem in the Old Testament. It's still the same issue in the New Testament. But to believe God and to trust God is the way to not conform to this world. When it says, and do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed, when it's saying do not conform, it's interesting it refers back to here. Numbers 20. It's saying don't do what these guys did. Don't walk in unbelief because unbelief will cause you to not trust me. And any sin, any conformity to the world, to its patterns, to its customs, mean that I don't trust the word of God. So I'm going to go with what's, what's more comfortable. I'm going to go with my base nature. I'm going to go with my carnal nature. I'm going to go by what I see, how I feel, how I'm thinking. I'm going to go with that instead of going with God. And the word of God in Romans 12, 2 is saying, don't do that. That's how the world behaves. See, we've always read that as just don't, don't, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do that. No, no, it's saying, listen, get your mind right. What does that mean? Believe God. Trust God. Rely on God. Depend on God. Don't miss out because you're in unbelief. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sir, present that body to serve me. But make sure you're believing me. Present your body to serve me. But make sure you're trusting me. Present your body to serve me. But make sure you're relying on and clinging to my word. Because if you don't, you will find yourself unable to serve up Christ. Instead, you'll be serving up self, your ideas, your revelation, trying to operate in your power. And people do that all the time. People do it all the time and wonder why they're not successful in ministry, wonder why the power of God's not operating and why the power of God's not flowing because you're not believing and relying on him. Instead, you're falling into the same patterns that the children of Israel did with their God-loved self. He loved them just like he loves you. But you can't conform and begin to operate the way the world does and expect God's hand to be on all that you do. See, remember, this isn't to sinners this isn't to sinners. He's talking to people who are supposed to be serving. We've always read this from a sinner perspective. But he's saying, listen, now that you're saved, it's your reasonable service to serve. Now let me show you how you serve. First thing, you got to make sure you believe me. Second thing, go back to Romans 12 too. So, and keep, you can keep reading Numbers 20 on your own and you'll see how the rest of the story goes, but it just reinforces the fact that they just really were not trusting God. Romans 12, 2. So the first thing is, don't be conformed to this world. Believe me. 
but be transformed. So that's the second thing. You have to be transformed. What does the word transform mean? It says it right there in parentheses. Change. So the first thing is, don't be like the world. Walk in belief. The second thing is, allow God to change me. If you're taking notes, that's the second thing. And this is also we can serve them. Uh, go to the New Living Translation uh, real quick, and then we'll come back to the app. It says, but let who transform you? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. They walk in unbelief. For you not to walk in unbelief, God now has to transform your thinking. Don't be an unbelieving preacher. Don't be an unbelieving prophetess. Don't be an unbelieving person trying to heal folk. Don't be an unbelieving evangelist. All that does exist. People trust God one minute and then they don't the next minute. Because when you walk in an unbelief, then that's when people start putting on a show. Trying to invoke the emotions of others. Trying to get people to respond trying to do the job of the Holy Ghost. But when I believe God, when I trust God, I don't have to do the job of the Holy Ghost. He just needs my body. Present my body. Present my body. He just needs my body. He's the one preaching this message. He present my body. I got, I got notes that's a little slightly different than this, but this is, this is he, he present my body. I'm gonna get up here and just to get your, I, I don't know who need to hear this this way tonight, but I'm presenting my body, and he's saying what to say, he's saying what to do, and he's saying how to do it. I'm trusting him, I'm relying on him, I'm depending on him that you're going to get what you need. And that's how we present our bodies a living sacrifice. This is my reasonable service since he has saved me. This is what I do now that I've gotten up from the feet and I am sitting in the seat, operating united with Christ. God is transforming my thinking on a regular basis. And I am not the old Archie. Somebody say, you've been saved since you was little though. Still, I picked up some stuff along the way. <laughs> and I'm not the old guy. But if I don't spend time with him, guess what happens? That old guy tries to creep up. That old guy tries to creep back in. Now, let me make this real plain. That's simply the person who doesn't trust God. That's simply the person who has seen him perform but will still act like he didn't do nothing. Because that's what the children of Israel did in Numbers, didn't it? Seen God perform over and over again, but it's like, oh, here we go again. We should have just stayed in Egypt. Lord, why did you put me in this new house? The other one was cheaper. You should have just left me there. Now I got insurance that's higher. Now I got tax. And God's like, what, really? You were believing me for this. But now because you don't want to trust me, now because you don't want to believe me, now it's gotten hard all of a sudden. Please send me my spouse, Lord. Two, three, five, 15, 20 years later. Lord, why did you send me this one? But wait a minute. 
it. You was believing me and you was trusting me and depending on me for them. And now that you have them and now you got to really trust me, don't be conformed. Don't copy the behaviors and the patterns and the custom of the world. When they get what they think they need, then all of a sudden they stop believing me and start believing in themselves. I hope you're getting this. What's going to happen to you is as you begin to carry out God's will for your life and serving him, you're going to get blessed. Sorry, you're already blessed. You're going to encounter the blessing, and you're going to be on this natural, excited, happy high. But then... <laughs> Things are going to naturally take place that are going to give you an opportunity to, to not trust God anymore. Let me give you a real example. God, we've been waiting for World Changers to have its own campus in Houston. We've been meeting in hotels, waking up 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, having to go to U-Haul places and set up and tear down every day. Some of y'all remember them days. Bless us with our own beautiful campus, Lord, so that we don't have to do that no more. We believe you, Jesus, for a space that's going to be just ours. And then we get that space. Glory to God, we're so happy. But in that space, there's 15 air conditioner units. Glory to God. And there are two in the sanctuary that are 15-ton units apiece. And those 15-ton units cost $15,000 each. And then the outside units for those two 15-ton units cost $10,000 each. And they all decide to start going out at the same time. All of a sudden, that blessed holy land and space that God has given you, you're tempted now to go by what you see what you think, because the people still giving what the people is being given, Lord. And some of them ain't even doing that, Lord. So you want to take the stick and beat the rock. <laughs> but the people is having a rough time. So now you're tempted to go out and fleece God's people. But that wouldn't be right, would it? Because that's not trusting God, that's trusting who? The people. But that same blessed place is still blessed. Now it just requires you to continue to trust him. Because the same God that got us in the place is the same God that's responsible for maintaining the place. He hadn't changed. You changed. Because as you've hit this new level, you hadn't renewed your mind. And what I've learned as a pastor is, is every time I continue to walk with God, and he blesses us with something new, I have to go and spend some transformation time with him so that this mind is ready to operate whatever the new blessing is at the new level. I got that Mustang, and how many guys know the Mustang has to be operated a little differently than the Chevy truck? I can't operate that Mustang like that Chevy truck and I can't operate the other. There's a whole new manual. There's a whole new way. I got to go and sit down and spend time with how do I drive this instead of that now? 
If I had a Bentley, I can't drive the Bentley like I did the Mustang. Even the oil change is totally different. Whenever you get something new, you have to change how you operate it. But we don't look at it that way when it comes to the blessings that God brings into our life. Are you ready for the blessing? Have you renewed your mind for the blessing? Because as you serve him, he's going to increase you. As you serve him, he's going to promote you. But it will overrun you if you haven't allowed the renewal process to happen. This renewal process is not just so you don't commit these base sins, if you understand what I'm saying by base, the ones that we always hear about. It's so that you don't commit the sin of unbelief. So you don't fall like the children of Israel did and become stuck at that level of deliverance, at that level of promotion. Remember, they made it out of Egypt. Had to get their mind right. They made it into the wilderness, getting closer and closer to the promised land. Had to get their mind right. But many of them stopped right there. They was getting into the promised land, and there were all those other steps after that that God had set up for them, but many of them didn't see that. I don't want you to get stuck at level two, and, and, and you got all the way to level two million, two, two million to go. God will bless you, but transformation is what keeps you from getting stuck at that level of blessing. I hope you're hearing this one tonight. Because as you serve, you will be blessed. Pastor Melissa and I are blessed because we serve, but we continue to be blessed because we transform. I'll say that again. We're blessed because we're served, and as you serve, you will run into the blessing over and over and over again. But we continue to be blessed because we're transforming. In the church back in the day, they used to say, new level, new devil. And that was their way of saying, you have to strengthen yourself for that new level. The, the concept was right. I mean, the wording was a little off, but the concept was right in the sense of, as you go forward in life, change has to take place. The thing that they didn't quite explain to us was, it's this transformation process. It's God spending time with us and changing the way we think based on his word. It says, then you will learn to know. This is important. If you got, if you got a paper Bible, underline that no. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Now, guys, I got all these Greek words and everything in here that I was going to break down to you, but time is running out, so I'm going to have to give you that maybe on Sunday. Uh, so, or you can just go read it yourself. Blue Letter Bible, click on it, it'll show you. <laughs> but as I was reading these, that word know is actually very important. When it says, then you will learn to know, that means you'll learn to identify what's God's will and what's not. Oh, that's God's will. I'll learn to know why, because I've been transformed. Oh, that's not God's will. This is belief. Belief is for those air conditioners, whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do. All right, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, I want you to do this. Ooh, Holy Spirit, you know that, that don't make sense, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yep, do that. 
another option is, hey, congregation, I need y'all to do this right now. Well, that's action, but that's not his will. And the Holy Spirit, I know that's not his will. Why? Because in my transformation process, the Holy Spirit showed me this is my will. So it's very easy. If it ain't what he said, that ain't his will. So if anybody presents any other options, I already know his will. I have learned to know his will because he transformed my thinking. He showed me what was right, therefore everything else is wrong. He showed me what was right, therefore I stay away from everything else. And this is how you learn to know God's will for you. And it's going to be good, it's going to be pleasing, and it's going to be perfect. Somebody say it's going to be good, it's going to be pleasing, and it's going to be perfect. That word good means upright, honorable, and acceptable. When you do what he says, it's guaranteed to be upright, honorable, and acceptable. That word pleasing, or in one translation it says acceptable, it's well-pleasing to him. It's exactly what he wanted for you, and he's excited that, that, that you're doing that. And then perfect is complete uprightness and morality. It will be the morally correct thing for you to do. For me to come and start trying to make the congregation feel guilty to pay something off, that's not right. Some people have, have a hard time, and I'm talking about, we're talking about servants, right? Some people have a hard time, and some of y'all have been around people that they do kind of crooked things, but will do it in the name of the Lord. And you're like, that ain't right. Like, I'm a stickler, have paperwork, have a paper trail, you know, there are just certain things you want to have in place, and I'm like, that, that, that ain't right. That ain't how you're supposed to do that. See, when you're doing God's will, it's going to be perfect. It'll be morally right. That's why I love our ministry. We don't have to worry about Pastor and Pastor Taffy getting taken down for tax fraud or some weird thing because they, they follow his will. They know his will. They have learned to know his will. So they operate in a certain integrity and excellence as a result of that. So again, as I sit in the seat, the first thing I got to do is allow the Holy Spirit, or sorry, allow God to transform my thinking by his word so that when I serve him, I will find myself doing the right things at the right time, the right way, because it is the Holy Spirit who is directing me. I do not have to go now any longer to the feet of Jesus and sit down and say, Jesus, tell me. I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me instructing me. I'll say that again. I, do not, I don't have to go to the feet of Jesus as one who does not have him and say, Jesus, tell me. Because Christ now lives on the inside of me. All those examples we saw in um, uh, Luke and uh, Matthew and Mark, those were folks who didn't have him on the inside because he hadn't died yet. But now the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, and he indeed is your teacher. Let me, let me show you that real quick. Go with me to John, I think it's 14. John 14, oh, 
something, and I want to say it's like verse maybe 16, oh, 26, John 14, 26. John 14, 26, it says, but when the Father sends the advocate, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will do what? Teach what? He'll teach you what? He'll teach you what? He'll teach you everything. And then he'll remind you of everything that I've told you. Oh, yeah, that's true. So here's Jesus on earth, and he's teaching all this stuff, right? And again, we thought, oh, i got to go sit at the feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has access to the entire Jesus archive. And then he has all the new stuff, too. He has the latest additions to everything else. So for you just to try to go and just live only by the archives, you're going to be missing out. I mean, that's basically what this is. He'll teach you everything, and then he'll remind you of the greatest hits. So, so don't just go and chill out at the greatest hits. Enjoy those. But there's new music being made now. And you need to tune into it. Because that's what you're now supposed to be walking by. He will teach you everything. Now, mind you, this is no different than what Jesus had to do. He had to go and spend time with the Father. And the voice of the Father would speak to him. And remember, he said, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say. He was literally living out Romans 12, uh, uh, verses 1 and 2. He was presenting his body, and he was constantly getting downloads from the Father to do his perfect, pleasing, goodwill. So if I'm going to operate as he did, I have to do the same thing. And guys, I hope you're hearing the simplicity in this. It's really not complicated. It's really not complicated. Well, you know what makes this complicated? Whether we believe or not that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. That's where people get stuck but I can't hear God's voice. Well, he's showing up talking. He's, he's, he's definitely talking. And I have to spend time with that voice to know it even better. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. When you think about a sheep, uh, you think about sheep with, with the shepherd, there's time spent. There's relationship. There's, a, there's time getting to know. When I first met Melissa, she didn't know my voice. I didn't know her voice. But how many of you guys know 24, 25 years later, I know her voice and she knows mine? Why? Because there's been time spent. So, so, so don't be surprised if you're just starting to spend time with God, if you're, with the Holy Spirit. If you're just starting to spend time with him, don't be surprised if you're a little fuzzy on the voice. Just give it time. You will zero in on his voice. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. And then we'll, we'll, we'll have to finish this up on a Sunday. So, number one, you got to transform your thinking. Number two, like I said, you do it just like Jesus did. Go to John, uh, let's look at 1249. And I'll just give you a few scriptures on showing you how Jesus uh, did it and how we're instructed. So my note here is we never outgrow our need this is important here. We never outgrow our need 
for help from God. We never outgrow the need to receive help from God, but that help comes from the Holy Spirit. We receive from God via the Holy Spirit just as Jesus did. Romans 12, 49, Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority. I'm standing here not speaking tonight on my own authority. It's the Father who sent me, has commanded me what to say and how to say it. That's how I live, and guess what? That's how you should live. Not because I'm living that way. You should live that way, and I should live that way because we're all believers. See, we've been trying to follow Jesus' perfection of not sinning all these years, and we're supposed to be patterning our serving after him because sin is not an issue anymore. That's why we have to spend all this time settling the righteousness and sin issue so you wouldn't be tempted to go back and try to be perfect like Jesus. He's already taken care of that. But what we're supposed to be looking at is how did this man preach God in the flesh? I don't want to demean him just as a man. But how did he preach? How did he live when he was healing for? How did all that, because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So, so let me study, how did he do that? You will find the answer 100% will all be with the help of the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Let's look at the uh, same book, John. Let's look at verse 14, sorry, chapter 14, verse 10. John 14, 10. It says, don't you believe that I am in the Father? This is Jesus talking. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. That sounds like the same thing you and I are supposed to be saying right now. Don't you believe that when we stand up here and preach, when we go out there and minister, when we witness, when we do whatever it is God has told us to do, don't you believe that we are in Christ and Christ is in us? The words that we speak are not our own, but they come from God via the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and the Holy Spirit works through us. How do I accomplish the will of God? How do I, how do, I do this thing uh, if I can't ask Jesus? This is how right here. He was patterning and showing us, this is how you do it. You're going to do it the same way I do it. But if I'm not mistaken, he said, you're going to do greater than what I did. We had to go back and read the manual again. When, when, whenever you have to stand up, this is for somebody. Whenever you have to stand up and preach or teach or you have to give somebody whatever, or whatever like that, I need you to start renewing your thinking and understanding that it is, it is not you doing the talking. You're allowing fear to hold you back because you keep getting in the way. And that's you messing up, not on purpose, but messing up Romans 12 too. You're looking at things the way the world looks at it, and you're not trusting God. Trust God so you can serve him. Let him transform your thinking in this area so that you can say what he wants you to say, when he wants you to say it, how he wants you to say it. Because it's not you, it's him working through you. And guess what? He does not make mistakes. 
So your confidence is not in your ability to make mistakes because you flashing back to kindergarten when you had to stand up and, and, and say your ABCs and you messed it up. You flashing back to your communications class when you botched the presentation in front of everybody. But he said, listen, I'm going to take your tongue just like I did folks in the Old Testament and I don't make mistakes. I'm going to put the words in your mouth and I have the perfect words for everybody that you'll encounter. Let's keep going. Uh, what was that, 14.10? Let's look at Mark 13.11. Again, we do this the same way Jesus did it. I'm giving you these scriptures so you'll have some things to go home and look at even closer. And then make sure you make it back on Sunday because we'll have more time to dig into this even more. You will just have the advantage of having to jump on everybody. Mark 13.11. It says, but when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance what to say. Just say what God tells you when. There's a promise that God will tell you what to say at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking. Now, this is important because some people say, oh, you're not supposed to ask Jesus, but then you're not supposed to ask God. I mean, sorry, the Holy Spirit, because you ain't so many scriptures that said the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to go to God and say, God, tell me. it's the Holy Spirit doing the talking. It's not for because he's, he's speaking to the disciples right here. And he's saying, listen, when stuff go down, don't worry about what are you supposed to say. He said, whatever God tells you at that time, he's going to tell you, and the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that literally births those words from the spirit to the natural. I need you to see that. The Holy Spirit is indeed a spirit. He's the spirit of God. God, who is spirit, transfers his creative power via words through your spirit linked with the Holy Spirit, and it comes out of your mouth, but it's him doing the speaking. I need you to understand that when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, that's actually something supernatural taking place right there. Oh, I'm going to operate in the supernatural. Say what the Holy Spirit says, and you're already operating in the supernatural. Because you're saying what he's saying. Right now, I'm saying what he's saying. These are his words. And they're hitting somebody. Who is this for tonight? Just wave at me. Yeah, look around. See, now, I'm not that smart. I don't know what you need. I ain't talked to you. I have no idea. But he knows each and every one of your hearts. So it says, it'll be the Holy Spirit speaking and not you. Say, it's not me. I'm the body. He's the spirit. My soul gets renewed to allow the Spirit to have his way. See, now it's starting to make sense. Because if your soul's not renewed, it's not going to allow the Spirit to have his way. And the soul will have its way. An unrenewed soul or a carnal mind will have its way, and then the body will then commit the sin that the mind birthed. Oh, somebody wrote that down. <laughs> but the body will commit the sin, or it will commit the righteous act that is birthed from the Holy Spirit, sorry, from the mind as it's been renewed. And then the Holy Spirit is the one that says, I'll carry this out if you let me, and then you'll have for lack of a better word, spiritual actions, or, or thank you, Lord, actions of love. 
because that's the fruit of the Spirit. How do I produce the right thing? Let the Spirit have his way because your mind's been renewed. It gets out the way. And as a result, the Spirit starts driving, the Holy Spirit starts driving the way, and then your mind says, body, do what the Spirit is saying. Get up there and say what he's saying. Get up there and lay hands when he says to lay hands. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we're supposed to do it. Luke 12, uh, verse 11. Luke 12, 11 and 12. And when you are brought, uh, didn't we just do this one? Yeah, I think this is a similar one. Go to verse 12. I think it's just in Luke. Yeah, it's the same thing. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Uh, Matthew 10, 20. So you can still write down Luke 12, 11 and 12. It's just Luke's version or account of the same thing. Um, Matthew 10, 20. It says, for it is not you who will be speaking. It will be what? The Spirit, capital S, of the Father speaking through you. So you're saying over and over again, the Holy Spirit does what? He teaches me, but he also speaks through me. He teaches me. We already know the scripture's talking about he leads me and guides me. We know the scripture's talking about he empowers us. But now I want you to see tomorrow when I have to practice this and put it into practice, how do I say what I need to say? Holy Spirit, speak through me. Show me where to go so I take this body and put it where you want it and now speak through me. Uh, Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So we're talking about, all those scriptures are talking about being spirit-led, right? His children are supposed to be spirit-led. Uh, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Do I have the Holy Spirit inside of me so he can speak to me and teach me and all that? Absolutely. Once you were saved, he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him who? Abba Father. So just in case the enemy was trying to create doubt in your mind that you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost who will speak through you, who will teach you, who will guide you, who will empower you, uh, who will comfort you, who will do all those things on the inside of you. If you understand that, say amen. Uh, let's go to Galatians 5.18. Galatians 5.18. It says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is very interesting. So he said, when you're directed by the Spirit, you won't run into and aren't obligated under the law of Moses. But when you follow your carnal nature or that sinful nature, the old nature, that's when the sin starts popping up. He's talking to Christians. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Keep going. Uh, verse 20. 
idolatry, sorcery, uh, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be able to walk in his, his uh, will. I'm not going to be able to walk in his way. I won't have that good and pleasing thing. Uh, I won't see his kingdom happen here on earth. Not, definitely not with my help, because why? I'm operating carnally, and I'm not believing God. And he's parallel, parallel in this, Paul is, again, back to number tw Numbers 20. Those folks did not see the manifestation of getting to the promised land because they were being carnal. And we as Christians, while we may be saved and you'll see heaven, you definitely won't see the manifestation of grace here on earth. It's not saying you won't see heaven, but you're not going to see the manifestation of grace here on earth. Why? Because you're choosing to live a life of unbelief. That's resulting in these sins. And God's saying that's not where you're supposed to be at. You're supposed to be at Romans 12, 1 and 2, serving presenting that body, allowing me to transform your thinking so that you can allow the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct you. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause right there and we'll pick up on Sunday. This is the place that all believers are supposed to be at. This is the place that we're supposed to be growing up to and maturing to. As you study the word, and Paul is talking about uh, in the actual New Testament uh, about mature believers doing this, that, and other. If you actually go and actually study the word where Paul is writing, he's nonstop talking about living this way. If you notice, he's not talking a bunch about still trying to get things from God. How much time does he talking about, how much time does he spend talking about trying to be healed? Think about it. Acts, Romans, uh, what is it, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. How much time does he talk about trying to be healed? Trying to be delivered? Trying to be set free? He almost spends no time talking about that. You want to know why? Because that stuff is already finished. But he spends tons of time talking about who we are, what's our authority, and what we're supposed to be doing with it. The entire actual New Covenant or New Testament talks about this is who you are and this is what you're supposed to be going to do. No longer will we as the body of Christ keep trying to go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and trying to make that the entire New Testament. That is definitely extremely important if you are a sinner and you need to be saved. You need to see what Jesus did. That is extremely important if you are a believer and you now need an example to see how am I supposed to do this as a believer now, a mature believer. Man, you go and look at what Jesus did. But we've added a third part to that where we've taken Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and then said, you're supposed to go and look at that so you can learn how to be healed. No, no, no. You are healed. Either the blood of Jesus worked or it didn't. Either the body of Jesus worked in it or it didn't. Oh, that's, that's where you're supposed to go to learn how to be delivered. 
No, no, you're delivered. Either it took or it didn't. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're definitely not throwing those away. You can't. It is, is an example of God's love when he sent Jesus. It is the example to see how Jesus actually lived on earth. And there's other things in there as well, but those are two of the primary things that every believer or unbeliever needs to get out of there. He's the guy I need to believe in. What he did on that cross, I need to trust. And then how he lived, if I'm a believer, that's how I need to now pattern my life is the way he literally served, that's how I'm supposed to serve. But the issue of what I need from him, don't be like the children of Israel who didn't really pay full attention to what they already had. They had God. They were delivered. They were free. But because they kept walking carnally, they kept reverting back to, in their minds to slaves. They kept reverting back to their mind to the point that they were saying it was better when we were slaves. They said that on multiple occasions. And some of us say it was better when I was a sinner. It was better back when I used to do this and do that. This is too hard. And you know what we're saying? Trusting God is too hard. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You have to allow the joy of the Lord to actually be your strength. If you're going to be a mature believer, you can't live by happiness any longer. I said you can't live by happiness any longer. That word happiness, the first three, I think it's H-A-P, hap, it has its root in the word luck and chance. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it ain't. And we can't live by chance or luck or happiness, but instead, we're supposed to live by joy. Joy is based on what I know. I know God's word is true. So no matter what I'm seeing, no matter what's occurring, I will not go back into the old mindset. And when I'm tempted to go back into the old mindset, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, comfort me. That's his job. His job is to show up on the scene and comfort you and say, hey, wait a minute. Don't go there with your mind. You are the righteousness of God. Don't go there. You are a child of God. Don't go there. Your sins have been forgiven. Don't go there. I'm here to teach you and guide you and direct you. Don't go there. You're not being punished. God's not mad at you. Satan is being punished. I took your punishment, being Jesus, for you. You're free. That's his job to constantly comfort you and to remind you that as you are on this path of serving God, all is well. Because the devil's working overtime to knock you off that path in your thinking. In Romans 12, 1 is a big warning road sign of saying, don't fall for it. Don't fall for the okie doke. Don't be bamboozled. Don't, don't, don't do it the way these guys did it. Or you're going to miss out. Don't allow yourself to be tricked. You got God taking the responsibility to transform you. You got the Holy Spirit taking the responsibility to operate through you. All you have to do is present yourself for them to use. And you will always find yourself in his good and his pleasing and his perfect will.
That's all I want. Is Lord, let me be in your, your good, pleasing, and perfect will every day of my life. And he says, son, just present yourself. Just give yourself. Just yield yourself. And my promise is, by my Holy Spirit, we'll show up and have your back and your front <laughs> and your inside and your outside at all times. And then I rest. I rest. Some of y'all need to do that tonight. You just need to rest in what he said. Are you doing what he said to do? If not, decide tonight. I, I'm changing. And then rest. If you're already doing what he said to do, I need you to promise yourself tonight you're going to rest. What do I mean by rest? You're going to now trust God. You did what he said to do, and just because things look a little weird and funny right now, don't freak out. Don't beat the rock twice. Don't wish for the past. Don't cower out. Trust God. He brought you to this place, and he will not leave you. He will not abandon you. And this is nowhere, I'm hearing this in my spirit, this is nowhere near the end. You have so many more levels to go. You have so many more levels to go. We have so many more levels to go. This is just this level. There's so many more levels that he needs to take you to so that his children will receive all that they need from him. I'll say that, Lord. There's so much more money he wants to get into your hands because he needs some things to change. I, and I'm not, y'all know we ain't just about money and all that, but I, he just said, Holy Spirit just said that. I got to say what he said. He said, there's so much more money I want to get into their hands. He said, but they're limiting me with unbelief. Trust God. <laughs> Trust God like you do when that uh, jackpot gets to whatever it is and you run off and, and go get that dollar ticket. We, we do, we're, we're going to run off and get that ticket. I know I'm not going to win, but but you invest financially. You use that body to go and do that. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm showing you what faith looks like. I'm showing you what joy looks like. You, you literally, and, and, and you be smiling while you're doing it. Because there's a chance, there's that word, that I might win. And then if you win, what you going to say? Look at God. <laughs> now I ain't mad you come pay your tithe. I ain't mad you at all. <laughs> I'll be, look at God. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but was it God? I don't know. It might have been. It might not have been. I don't know. But that's, I need us to take that same energy that we will put into that and put that into trust in God. That wife he gave you, that's your wife. 
That husband that you, he gave you, that's your husband. Them kids that he gave you, them your kids. That house, that car, whatever it is, the, the, the stuff that you got, you believed him for it, now I need you to have some joy with it. Stop letting your present day circumstances by all the stuff that is around you, your job and all that, stop letting that be a, 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 a weight around your neck. You decide today that you're blessed by what you've got. I think that's what Paul was talking about when he said, I'm content. Whether I'm abounded or I'm abased, I'm not going to let none of this stuff be a weight to me. I'm good because whatever I got, God gave me. I'm not saying God gives you bad things, so don't misinterpret that. But he was like, I, I, whether, whether things are going right or whether things are a little tight, that's all right, I'm good. Because I know I've been trusting God. I know I've been following him. So if this is where I am at today, he led me here. I said, he led me here. God will not hurt you. Did you hear what I said? God will not hurt you, but the Holy Spirit will lead you to some interesting places. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in some fire. Daniel ended up in a lion's den. Children of Israel ended up in the wilderness. Jesus ended up in the desert. Right after he got the Holy Spirit upon him, the Holy Spirit immediately took him out to the wilderness to what? Be tempted. But God didn't hurt him. He didn't kill him. But if you find yourself in an interesting place, don't sit up there and start beating yourself up and saying God's not, you know, something's not working. I must have missed him or whatever like that. No. What you have now before you is an opportunity to believe him. I'll say it again. What you have before you is an opportunity to believe God. You are at the beginning, middle, or end of a testimony. But it will be a testimony. I said it will be a testimony. And, and that's what you got to know. And so when you show up here, we, we're, we're just encouraging you on what the truth is. That's why you need to show up. So you can hear that truth. But I need you to know that everything in your life is all good. How can you be so certain? Because you're a child of God. Now, let's get our believing right. Now, let's get our thinking transformed. Because, guys, we got a lot of serving to do. We got a lot of prospering to do so we can serve. Now, I'll say that, Holy Spirit. Y'all like, when are you going to shut up? It's, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. But he's literally telling me, he's saying, some of y'all, you, you need the prosperity to hit so you can go serve. Some of y'all like, I want to serve, but I'm, I'm stuck in this, I'm stuck in that. He's like, believe me, trust me, and I will increase you, and then the job will change. I, I got to say what he's telling me. Now, now, if this is not him talking to you, do not go quit your job. So don't y'all get deep on me and then be talking about any help with my rent or my mortgage. But he's saying for somebody, he said, if you trust him and then step out like he told you to, then he can put you into, you'll step right into that place of prosperity, and then you'll have the time to do the serving he told you to do. And that could be for somebody here, that could be for somebody out there. But you got to decide whether or not you trust him. Because some of y'all got dreams and things that he's shown you. And time is your problem. Time is not his problem. 
Money is some of y'all's problem. Money ain't his problem. So you got to believe. World changes. I, I, hope, I hope the word is ready for what you got. Because it's coming. Amen? Amen. He just told me that's, that's the end. All right, so that, <laughs> we will uh, just end it right there. Amen. Glory to God. So, Father God, we just thank and praise you once again for this word on tonight. Uh, we thank you for just being intimate with us and just sharing as you did as we walk through how, how to hear you and how to live this life as Jesus did. But now us taking on the mantle and the responsibility as you here on earth. We thank you that you're on the inside of us, operating through us. And we declare and decree that we're able to now bend the knee in our minds to your will, submitting to your transformation process. We believe it and we receive it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on and give God another hand clap of praise. Amen.